Hey Guardians, it's us again in the wee hours of the morning because that's the only time we have to record. So I apologize. <laughs> Hashtag dad life. Yeah. Dragon's always more energetic than I am, so I apologize for my <laughs> monotoneness. But, you know, I'm tired, but I want to talk lore, and this is the time that I can do it. So <laughs> Let's do it. Yep. So uh, for those who have been following along, last week we covered... The first two web lore snippets, the Tyra one and Apocrypha, and we are now on to Cryptarch. And so, and for this one, it's pretty long, so we're going to try and read most of it, but we might sum up a couple parts. Yeah. And one of those parts being the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is a Cryptarch called, or named Master Reinhardt. And I don't believe we have met him before. I don't believe so. And so he I, don't, I don't remember seeing any references to him in the database okay. yet. So. And so he starts off essentially... So this whole thing's kind of about the hive. And he starts off by mentioning a, a piece by Master Rahul entitled The Great Disaster from Burning Lake to the Hellmouth. And it just talks about how we battled the hive on the moon. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to the conclusion that that wasn't the first time that humanity encountered the hive. Right. And I, it's interesting that he, they, to me that they list, because I know there's been a lot of debate on where Burning Lake is. And to me, when I kind of read that, the great disaster from Burning Lake to Hellmouth, it like is this burn, do we, is Burning Lake on the moon, or is, do we think is that somewhere on Earth? I have never given it much thought, to be honest. Yeah. And I'm now typing it into Ishtar, and the Raze Lighter Grimoire. Let's see. Da, 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 yeah, because that was like we barely eked out a victory at Burning Lake. Now you think we're ready to attack the moon? So I know they've, that that quote's been used to say it's not on the moon. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But I know generally the great disaster has always been, you know, thought to be have taken place at the moon, or on the moon. So, yeah. right, yeah, the, the great disaster, still. and yeah, that that definitely was on the moon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is an interesting question. Yeah. yeah. So it could have just been you know the great disaster, kind of a, a whole un, in full encompassing tale, you know, which started at Burning Lake, which was on X, and then ended on the Hellmouth, which is on the moon. Right. You know, kind of. A, yeah. And so Master Reinhardt, he kind of starts going in. He says, Golden Age records detail an extensive network of Clovis Bray structures on Mars. The vast city of Freehold served as the Bray headquarters. And I like that because obviously, the you know, all of Destiny 1 was around Freehold in the Dust Palace. And so that's cool mm-hmm. that we get that callback. And then it says, but ancient mass transit lines that lead from the remains of Freehold across the planet reveal multiple other sites. And so I got a comment here, which I'm opening because I I put a link and I don't remember. Yeah, so there was a mission in the Taken King called, yeah, Tenebrous Tunnels. And Zavala kind of talks more about this, uh, this, you know, network, this transportation network. And he says, the tunnel system beneath the old city of Freehold is extensive. Much of it is uncharted, but thankfully much of it has collapsed. And then he also, the ghost says, the rail system was endless. It connected colonies, dig sites. 
I'm even detecting a line that runs all the way up to the cradle at the North Pole. And I like nice. I like this part because so there's no cradle or no reference to the word cradle that I've been able to find in any of the up to now released war mine materials. But mm-hmm. it's kind of cool because you know cradle generally you think oh cradle of life. Bir- cradle is kind of like a yeah birth you know with like a infancy or something like that. Yeah, birthplace, and so that's kind of a cool little reference. Um, yeah. So maybe in a scan of, you know, I'm thinking it's the kind of thing where, yeah, now it's called the Hellas Basin and we call it the, uh, future, the cradle, the the future scape, you know, maybe we'll get like a scannable with a a reference to a building called the cradle or something. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then this is interesting too. Um, including the Clovis. So continuing with the card, including the Clovis Bray health center and skyline. And the, some people may remember Skyline as the Crucible map from back in Destiny 1. Yeah. I think we got it. Uh, was it Rise of Iron? Uh, we got this one. Yeah. Yeah. Rise of Iron. Yeah. And what's interesting, <coughs> nice. too, is... and this. So just to read that card really quick. It's like... It doesn't mention a health center there, so we do learn a little bit more that it was kind of a hospital health type area. But the original mm-hmm. card said... This Clovis Bray Center served as a hub to several company assets across Meridian Bay and beyond. Though the transit system connects the various Bray facilities, the exact breadth of the network has been lost to time. Obviously, now we know it covered the whole planet. Um, and then, after the role Clovis Bray Tech played in Earth's Siva Crisis, Commander Zavala wants no stone unturned when it comes to the Golden Age conglomerate. And this is a good line because this will come back to us when we get to the next card. Um, with Z- I call them cards. They're not cards, but <laughs> the next entry <laughs> yes. about Zavala. So this is kind of cool because it says obviously that like ever since Siva, Zavala kind of has has had this burning desire to investigate Clovis Bray and learn everything he can about the company. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so keep that in mind when we get to the Zavala card because it's a good. There's a change of character coming. It's a good tie-in. <laughs> Uh, and a futurescape near core terminus in the Hellas Basin. And that ends that paragraph. So, (coughs) Dragon, why don't you take this next one? Yeah. So the next paragraph starts, uh, It is the futurescape facility that is of interest when considering the effects of ecological changes in the collapse and post-collapse eras. Although there are records that show that just after the traveler's departure, the region had a mesothermal climate with an average temperature of 20 degrees Celsius. The region's ecological zones today range from boreal to ice crap near the planetary pole, with harsh winds and a thick layer of ice that has made exploration in the region difficult. So there's a couple uh, couple parts there I think you had. So yeah, so one thing to note, just in case people forget, you know, it says, oh, just after the Traveler's departure, and it's like, we learn in Destiny 2 that Io was the last place the Traveler touched. So Mm -hmm. just as you know, confirmation on that traveler departure line, what that's referring to. And then I did do the conversion. And for those of us who don't know Celsius, that is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Nice. Which is a little cold so, to me. I'd prefer, you know, a 72 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially what the, he's saying at this, you know, the temperatures when the traveler left was, you know, it was a nice brisk 68 degrees on Mars. Whereas now it's, You've, it's the plan, the planetary poles or near the poles are ice caps basically. Right. They're frozen. 
um, harsh winds, thick layer of ice, and exploring the area has been extremely difficult. Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about, he, he kind of <coughs> says, you know, well, some have suggested that when the traveler, quote unquote, died, you know, that that caused it. But if that were the case, then the other planets obviously touched by the Traveler would have suffered similar fates. Mm-hmm. Um, Mercury, you know, we'll never know because it's a Vex world now. But we've seen Venus, which isn't perfect, but certainly not chilly. And we have Io, which is also much further out, but also is not frozen over. And Nessus, mm-hmm. although that was never really a Traveler world. But the point being, Traveler dying did not cause this. Right. Yeah, when when the Traveler terraformed the planets, they all stay terraformed in the, what their the habitats that were created even after the Traveler, quote-unquote, died after the collapse, with the exception of Mars. Yeah. And so what caused such a drastic change in the climate? Right. And so he, Master Reinhardt goes on to talk about... So he's, he's getting, basically, he's making these hypotheses and drawing these conclusions based on a war sat that he has managed to uh, get access to. So he says, Recovered satellite data reveals that the climate change in the Hellas Hellas Basin region was too rapid to have resulted from long-term ecological damage, as it had on Earth in the pre-Traveler era. In fact, data from WARSAT, long WARSAT number that you can look up if you feel like it, which (laughs) crashed and was recovered near Freehold, indicates that the climate change on Mars may have happened over a matter of mere days. However, this war set was heavily damaged during re-entry, and the data may be suspect until we have a secondary source for co- for corroboration. This is a mere su- supposition. Sorry, it's late, and I am not complete- <laughs> completing my sentences or words well. And I'm yep. assuming that, obviously, in the campaign, we will get our secondary source <laughs> yep. to confirm or disprove this theory. Yeah, yeah. so I'll continue on. It says, nonetheless, if we accept the data from this war set, then we are looking at an external endothermic event caused by artificial means on a scale so massive that it altered the entire climate of the region. Uh, And then we have, why would this have happened? Our only source is the war set, and if it is to be believed an invasion of unknown biological entities, including one of massive size, was detected in the region immediately before the event. Could this have been a collapse-era attack with a weapon of unknown origin? And so what's interesting here is he doesn't specify where whose weapon, whether this was the biological entity's weapon or Rasputin's weapon, although ironically he never mentions Rasputin in this card. But mm-hmm. I went to the trouble of trying to look up every Rasputin weapon I can come up with, um, and I'm sure I'm probably missing a couple, but so we know, for example, that Rasputin had Siva. We know that he fought things with Aurora knives, which I take to be solar, with static, which I take to be arc, and with unfire, which I take to be void. Um, and obviously none of those cause freezing that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, although it would be kind of cool to have an arc ability that somehow causes, you know, ice. <laughs> yeah. But, um but they're not associated other than that. They're both kind of bluish. Um, one card that I really love. And so I'm going to go on a tangent here. This is a, a theory of mine that has no basis, but I like it. (laughs) So, um, 
This is some head cannon. So if you remember the ghost fragment, Rasputin two, it talks. It's there's a hunter right, and she's on Mars. Right. And I need to. I honestly need to read the comic because I don't. You might know. I know Anna Bray obviously isn't with the Vanguard, but I don't know if she was at some point and then she left, or if she was like never with the Vanguard. Um, like she wasn't with the Vanguard in a sense of being like uh, a commander, but we do get that she was, you know, she fought with them. You know, at least she was at Twilight Gap. So, she, the, oh yeah, that's she, true. There's enough that okay, we yeah. know that she was in, you know, in the confines of the city or the tower. We would assume, right? And then, okay, so the reason disappeared I, after Twilight the reason Gap. I ask is because of this dumb theory. So, in Ghost Fragment Rasputin Two, there's the Hunter on Mars. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the, you know, there's the Cabal and the Vex and they're battling. And this is right after kind of we've woken up Rasputin. Right. And it says, does she remember, or she's talking, does she remember it? Does it remember her? It feels like she should. And that's kind of a cool line. Sorry, I keep hitting my mic. This is probably coming up in no, the audio. But, um, so that's a cool line because if you go to the opening of the comic, Rasputin, let me look at it, says... Oh, come on. Oh. Here we go at the end. If she remembers me, she will not recognize me. So Rasputin says that. So it's a cool connection. You know, it probably wasn't her in Rasputin <coughs> 2, but I like to think in my head that it was. <laughs> yeah. And so she... Well, I, like, I like just looking at that card, too, um, right after that part. You know, does she remember it? Does it remember her? It says she has the sense of something old lifting a long spear, and which is kind of, I think, find that kind of... Ironic now that in uh, in the Warmind uh, expansion we'll have the the Valkyrie, which is a type of spear, which is a a Rasputin weapon. Right. Like I love the thought of Rasputin. What if, Rasputin you just you know a, a war sat itself in orbit, having a, a giant like Valkyrie spear that mm-hmm. it then just cast, casting down this yeah, spear, cast down to the planet, melting everything in its path. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're connected, but I like the parallels and the themes between mm-hmm. that card and and this yeah and that, that's one of the things i love about the universe of destiny is we don't always have exact answers like we may never they may never tell us yes the hunter from rasputin 2 go, the ghost fragment rasputin 2 is anna bray we may never get that confirmation but the fact that we could discuss it and that there are little hints that gives us that discussion is what makes the universe so compelling in my mind yeah and as far as I'm concerned, we don't we don't need confirmation on everything. Like some confirmations on some things are always good because it helps you, you know, put down concrete foundations on certain topics. But the mystery is what brings us all here, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, let's see. Wrapping up this card. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like in that paragraph you read too that it it definitely hints at you. Know, definitely, it's definitely laying the foundation for the hive being on Mars and. Zol, the worm god, you yeah. know, says, yeah. an invasion of unknown biological entities, including one of massive size. So they're definitely kind of saying, okay, there's there's some stuff going on in Mars. <laughs> and and he and he's postulating this, and so I'm hoping mm-hmm. we find out in the DLC. But he, you know, he asks, could this have been a collapse error attack? And so mm-hmm. you know, it's new thoughts of like, oh, were the hive present during the collapse were they the cause of the collapse mm-hmm. you know what do we 
What do we know? What, do we, what don't we know? So those are some cool questions that hopefully we'll get some answers to. Yep. And then what's interesting with this one is, so he kind of, he, uh, Master Reinhardt ends it by saying, you know, hopefully we get a guardian in there to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they, they've also, you'll notice this in the, I think it's the Zavala card also. Um, but they're, they're definitely, they're, like they're definitely adding the mystery on this in these cards or these, these snippets because they keep mentioning something, you know, the things in the ice. And, you know, we, we always have our assumptions of, oh, they're talking about the hive or they're talking about Rasputin. But I, I think like there's something, there's something going to be on Mars that we're not aware of quite yet. I think there's going to be a little twist, but you know, there's the line that says, but if we dig into the ice, what would we find? Maybe, um, maybe we'll find but, a giant entombed pyramid ship. <laughs> yeah. right. But, yeah, they kind of keep with that theme though, of kind of keeping the, the monster m- mysterious. Yeah. And so what's interesting at the end, this didn't make sense the day they released it, but now that we have the comic, it does. Um, there's kind of a, an addendum attached to this entry by Cameron and we now, thanks to the comic, know Cameron to be um, an embraced companion. Whether they're, you know, good friends or they're dating or like we don't know how they know each other or what the relationship yeah. is. Yeah, it's, it's clear there's some sort of a bond of a relationship yeah. between them. But they're close. They you trust know, each other. The extents, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, they deeply care for each other. And so, essentially, what's happened happening here is kind of we learned that everything we just read is kind of is information that Cameron has found for Anna, Anna, Anna. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's, you know, sending it to Anna. And so Cameron says, uh, told you, I remembered an article from the Mars research we were doing at Al sector. And this was fun because reading about Al sector again, made me go reread the entire transmission event and every entry, (laughs) which was all, that was such a fantastic event. Um, it really was. And so, and what is interesting is from the comic, we, we learned that Cameron is not a guardian. If I'm remembering correctly, you can confirm mm-hmm. that for me. But Yeah, I don't believe so. And so it's interesting. So it's like maybe Cameron was a member of the Al Sector because Al Sector is a civilian outfit stationed in the tower, you know, there to mm-hmm. help guardians, help the city, coordinate all kinds of stuff. Um they're essentially civilian guardians. I mean, that's what I'll call them because that's basically what they are. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's a chance that Cameron was a member of Al sector or at least knew someone there enough that she could get access to their records. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely implies that, you know, she was a member there or possibly still is and but just isn't, you know, engaged in the, whatever the work they were doing, but Definitely, I think, implies, just by that phrase, the work we were doing. Yeah. Uh, implies that she was there. Yeah. And I, I like the next one where it says, Reinhardt goes on for a few hundred pages from here. <laughs> and just like, like, cryptarchs like to talk. All for all from <laughs> one war set. <laughs> yeah, one war set. And one, all, all hypothesis and supposition. But yeah. But it says, and you, I'll send the whole thing to Jinju uh, if you're interested, which is Anna's ghost. Yep. Um, Says, but it says, but his conclusions are all wrong because he never mentions the one thing that could have done this. There's something in Hella Basin, and you're going to be the one to find it. And I love that because, because he doesn't mention it either. <laughs> and because, and like, 
and he mentions, you know, something massive in the ice, but it's like, okay, is Cameron here? Are they referring to Zol, the worm god, or mm-hmm. are they referring to Rasputin? <laughs> yeah. Or some, or another thing. So they leave a little, yeah. a little so that's, bit that's of mystery kind of like, here. Yeah, so they're continuing to, you know, they possibly mention the worm god when they mention the, the massive-sized unknown biological entity that entered the system. Um, and But if that's not the one thing that could have done this, then what is that other thing? Is it Rasputin? You know, yeah, we'll find out, I guess. Right. And so that ends the card, Cryptarch. Yeah. 